Hey friend, we're gonna go ahead and dive right in. Today is all about how to become a paid UGC creator in 30 days or less. Today we're talking all about UGC, AKA user-generated content. Before we get started, my name is Lawan Moses. I am a social media consultant and content creator coach for busy moms, helping you to monetize your skills without feeling like you're sacrificing your family, your time, or your freedom. Now, what is this thing called UGC? We're hearing about it all the time. Everyone has questions. We're seeing it pop up everywhere. Everyone wants to be a content creator. Everyone wants to do UGC. And there are a bunch of terms and things thrown around. But what exactly is UGC and how can you step into making money as a content creator? So the information shared today is going to help you understand user-generated content help you get started with UGC, show you how to find clients and help you get paid and get organized. Now, what is UGC? At the core of UGC is any content that is created by real people. Back when UGC first came about, it was the content that real people were recording and putting on their social media platforms, writing about in blog posts. It was that organic content. Just me picking up a product saying, hey, I like this product. I want to show it off to everyone. And that is where UGC content first started. However, with the rise of social media, more people spending time online, brands are seeing that there is a lot of power in the everyday person posting content that they love. So now UGC has kind of moved more into this kind of paid talent. Brands are wanting to hire content creators to work with them to create content to promote their brands. Brands are recognizing the power of this content that is coming from everyday people. So UGC has now really transitioned into you being a professional talent, an actor, an actress. You are the hired talent. You are a professional. So really keep this in mind throughout this whole presentation and throughout everything that you do when it comes to content creation and UGC, you are not just so much an everyday person creating content. Yes, you are that. But more so when it comes to working with brands, you are that professional. You are that hired talent that the brand is using to help promote their product. Now, here's some numbers that are important to know, especially when having conversations with brands and just to know about UGC in a whole. In a whole. The average consumer is spending 5.5 hours online scrolling social media, looking at user-generated content and things that people are recommending. User-generated content has a four times higher click-through rate than regular paid advertising. 92% of consumers are likely to buy a product that they see someone promoting on their social media platforms than any kind of other advertising. People, 92% of people are looking at something that you post online like, hey, I like that. I like how Lawan is using that. I'm going to go ahead and buy that. And then this number 16% is important because it seems like UGC is everywhere. But in reality, only 16% of brands have really tapped into the power of UGC. So it shows you how much opportunity it is out there for you to be a UGC creator. Now, of course, with anything, there are pros and cons. There are some pros to UGC, such as it being customer-centered. There's a lot of social proof because it's something that you believe in, so you're promoting it. UGC has greater influence and reach. And at the end of the day, people are trusting people more than they trust these paid advertising, these very 
organized and structured videos, people are trusting people's opinion over that regular advertising. But on the flip side, there are some cons. There's this influx of content creators these days because UGC is becoming more and more popular. All content creators are not created equal. There are no regulations to say, okay, this is what a creator should get paid. This is how UGC should work. And at the core of it, brands do not understand UGC. Most brands do not understand what UGC is. When you approach a brand, you will find that a lot of times they want to classify you as an influencer. And you're not an influencer. You are a content creator. So what is the difference between a creator and an influencer? Basically, as a UGC creator, you are creating content for the brand to use for their platforms and for their marketing efforts. Whereas an influencer, you are using your own platform, your own audience, your own engagement, your own numbers to really drive that content. So that is the core difference between influencing and content creation. You're both promoting products. It's just a matter of where that promotion is going. So you're promoting a product or a service. If it's going directly to the brand for the brand to use in their efforts, then that is UGC. If you're promoting a product or service and you're posting it on your platform, that is influencing. So that is the big difference when it comes to UGC and influencing. And brands do not understand that because as a content creator, you don't need to have a following. Influencing is where you need to have that following, that engagement, that large audience attracting people to you. But as a content creator, your numbers don't matter. And that's where the confusion a lot of times comes in with brands because they still want to look at your following number when that doesn't matter with UGC because that content's not going on your platform. You're creating this content and handing it over to the brand so that they can put it on their own platform. So that is one of the things that is kind of like a struggle sometimes when working with brands who are not familiar with UGC and getting them to understand the difference between UGC and influencing. That's why it's important that you know these things so that when you're approaching brands, you are positioning yourself as the expert because you really are the expert. As I shared with you, 16%, only 16% of brands currently do UGC. So there are so many brands that are not familiar with it. So when you know these numbers, you know how UGC works, you are able to approach them as the expert. That is how you get past a lot of those roadblocks when brands don't understand what exactly UGC is. You're going to position yourself as the expert. You're going to lead with the knowledge that you have, the talents you have, and that is how you're going to start this UGC journey so that you can start to get paid as a creator. Now, who needs UGC? The short story, everybody. All brands need UGC. Small brand, big brand, Everyone needs UGC. Everyone can benefit from the everyday person promoting their content. Every brand recognizes the value in having just a regular potion, recording a video, putting it out there on the brand's platform and people buying into that. So it's for brands of all sizes, big and small. And who can be a UGC creator? Anybody. You sit here watching this video right now, you can be a UGC creator. As long as you are comfortable on camera, you know how to create content, you know how to cut, edit, make a few transitions, then you can be a creator. Because the idea is with UGC create content creation is that it doesn't have to be super refined. The idea behind UGC content creation is for it to be organic, for it to look natural, 
So a lot of us spend a lot of time doing these extra edits, transitions, special effects, when really at the core of UGC is just this natural, organic, everyday, regular video, like you're kind of talking to your friends and telling them about a product that you love. That is the core of UGC. So as long as you can get on a camera and talk about a product that you love and show it off and demonstrate it, then you can be a UGC creator. But it's always the question of where do I start? Where should I start? What exactly should I do? So we're going to go ahead and dive right into becoming a paid UGC creator. We're going to talk about getting started, getting organized, getting clients, and getting paid. So there are different types of UGC content. You have social media content, which you're going to see in your TikToks, your Instagrams, your Facebook, all over social media, various videos, photos, and many different forms. That's one type of UGC content. But then you also have testimonials and reviews. Those are going to be the videos that the brand asks you to record or go on their site and type up a review or record a video saying how much you love this product. Those tend to go on the brand's website. And then you have blog posts where the brand may actually write up a blog post to give to them so that they can put it on their platform where you talk about this product and the fact that you love this product. And then there's also video content. And the thing with blog posts and video content, they can kind of cross over into influencing as well because with video content, you're looking at online events and live streaming. So a lot of times a brand will say, hey, can you come on our platform and do a live stream about our products? Or can you host our products on your platform and do a live stream or online event? So that can kind of cross over into influencing a bit, but it's not uncommon to do that type of video content where the brand's like, hey, I want to contract with you to kind of take over our social media and do a live stream. There are so very many different types of UGC that even fall into that because with different videos that you create, you can do unboxings, you can do product demos, you can show off how a product is working. You can do a review. There are so many opportunities in UGC. And when it comes to a niche or no, now here's where I stand on this. I feel that when it comes to UGC, if you've heard me talk before, when I talk about niches, I am not necessarily one to niche down, but I do have content pillars. And when I say content pillars, those are buckets of content and topics that I am known to talk about. And I have three or four of those. And I kind of feel the same way when it comes to UGC. You don't necessarily have to be stuck in a specific niche, but it helps you to identify what type of content and what type of brand you want to work with. Because as I said, this is for businesses of all types. So if you like beauty, if you like fashion, if you like technology, if you like traveling, if you like outdoors... There are such a variety of things that you can do. Restaurants, museums, traveling, amusement parks. There are so many different types of buckets that fall under UGC that it would help you if you recognize that, okay, I like creating beauty content, fashion content, and jewelry content. So I'm going to focus on brands that have jewelry, some type of fashion, and some type of beauty. Those can be your three kind of buckets that you pull from then you're not all over the place. Because if you like beauty, fashion, and jewelry and say skincare, you may not want to film content for an outdoor brand or a technology or some type of service type brand. So when it comes to UGC, to me, it helps you to pick those buckets that you like to film content within 
then not only is it easier for you to find opportunities, but then it's also easier for brands to find you because they can look at your portfolio, look at your social media, look at the stuff that you have out there and see, okay, this person falls under this category. So if I'm a beauty fashion brand, I know I want to work with them. Whereas someone that has technology, outdoors, travel stuff, they may not want to do beauty fashion content. So it kind of helps to identify the type of content that you like to create and the type of brands that you like to work with. And then that will give you a smaller playing field when it comes to pitching and weighing these opportunities that come to you. Now, the first thing you want to do when you're getting started, after you have your niche, your bucket categories, however you choose to do it, is you want to create a portfolio. Now, you can go on Canva and you will find lots of different examples of portfolios. This is a screenshot from Canva. When you type in portfolio website, it brings up all of these examples. And if you scroll, you will see that there are endless ones. The easiest thing to do is to go on Canva, pick one that you like and start to customize it. So if you're like me, then you may like to create your own. So I went on my own website and created my own portfolio on there, but Canva has lots of great options that you can choose from. The easiest thing is to go on, pick one and start to customize it. However, what I encourage you to do is kind of reverse engineer how you think about your portfolio. And even you can apply this to your media kit as well. A lot of us lead with our about me section and we show brands about us with our stats, our social media. But think about this. If a brand is reaching out to you, most likely they've already done their research on you so they know who you are. They know a little bit about you. They know a little about, bit about your social media. They stalked you on social media. So you don't really need to lead with that. Instead, what you wanna lead with is past work that you've created. So showcase that work that you've created you want to include your past projects and testimonials and any case studies that you may have that show that you get results. Now, if you're like, I am brand new, I do not have any of that, here's the cheat code. Most likely you have created some type of content on your own about products that you love or products, places that you like to go, things that you enjoy. You've showed off something on your social media that you love. You can take that video and put it in your portfolio as an example of UGC, because that is what UGC is, talking about a product that you love, showing a product that you love, doing a routine with certain products or certain technology resources that you may use to help make your business easier. Any of those type of videos that you've created, you can download them and put them into your portfolio. And if you don't have that, because you're like, I am very new, I don't even have that, then go get five products that you love and record videos around them. And then you can use that in your portfolio. And when it comes to testimonials and case studies, you may not have any right now. So that is okay not to have them on there. But when you start to work with brands, as you're finishing up that brand deal, just ask the brand to provide one to two sentences on their experience working with you. And it's easy to say, hey, can you provide me with one to two sentences about your experience working with me that I can use in a future media kit or future portfolio or on my website? That is how you can get a quick testimony and most brands will be willing to do that. But you really want to lead with your testimonials and showcase your past work because a brand doesn't need to read all about you because most likely they know who you are. Now, this is an example of my portfolio just to give you an idea 
You see, I have my testimonials, then I have a few different videos that I've done and I host my videos on Vimeo. I talk about the services that I can do. And then lastly, I put in my about me section, my social media and how to contact me. And that is my one page on my website. You can go to lawanmoses.com slash UGC portfolio if you want to see it and get an example of how I did my portfolio and that link I can easily provide to brands. Now, let's talk about getting organized. If you know me, I am all about organization. That is what I do, organize productivity. And when it comes to UGC, organization is key. If you take the time to get organized now, then you will save yourself so much time in the end. If you find a way to keep track of all the moving pieces now and set that up, you're going to save yourself a lot of time in the end. So the things you want to track are your pitches, your projects, your payments. You want to have a way to track what pitches are coming into you, what pitches are outgoing. You want to have a way to track what projects you're working on, where you stand in the project, when it is due, Keep track of that. And then lastly, you want to keep track of your payments. You want to know how much money you're making. That makes it easy at tax time if you have it in one place. But also you want to know, okay, this payment is due on this date. Maybe I didn't get my money because some people wait, have a 30-day, the net 30 payments, and you need to keep track of when net 30 is because by day 31, if you don't have your money, you need to be tracking them down. But how can you keep track of that if you don't have any way to see what you have coming in? Now, you can do this in a few ways. You can set up an Excel or a Google sheet. Those are free. You can just have different tabs, one for pitches, one for projects, one for payments. And you can set it up to put the name of the brand, the contact information, the date, the follow-up date, when you got paid, what the project is, and you can track it that way. Or you can use a system like Airtable, ClickUp, or Notion. Now, I'm semi-familiar with Notion. I've used it a couple times. A lot of people love Notion. I probably would use it too, but I don't want to move my systems. I've been, I was a ClickUp person forever, but now I use Airtable. And the thing I like about Airtable, a lot of these systems, all especially Airtable, I use the free version and it is very, very in-depth to be free. It has a lot of templates and a lot of different things you can track and it helps you set it up. And it's really like a fancy Excel spreadsheet. So if any of these, I would recommend Airtable personally, because that's the one I have the most experience with. But these are the different type of systems you can use to kind of start to track that information. But then you also want to make sure when you're getting organized and you're working with brands, that these things are essential when working with them and staying organized and keeping on top of the project. So you have the proposal or the creative brief. So a lot of times if you're pitching the brand, then you're going to put a proposal together once you guys come to some agreement of this is the work that I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to deliver. These are deliverables. Or if a brand is giving it to you, they'll give you a creative brief saying, this is the type of video we want. This is how long it's going to be. This is what it should include. That's the details of the project. That has a lot of the scope of work, a lot of the deliverables in it. You want to have a proposal so you know what's happening and everyone has agreed upon it. Then you must have a contract. Whether you provide the contract or the brand provides the contract, always have a contract in everything you do. If there's ever time you get a contract and there's something that you don't agree with in there, don't be afraid to push it back to the brand and say, hey, this is not what we agreed to. This needs to be fixed. We need to adjust this because they should do it because once you sign it, it is law. So if you don't agree to anything, do not sign that contract. 
Then you need an invoice so that it can say, okay, this is what you're going to agree to pay me. And you also need a way to get payment and a payment processor. So let's talk about invoicing and payments right here since we have this whole payment gateway right here. There are several ways that you can do payments. Some people don't prefer not to get paid till the end. If I'm working with a brand offline, so if I'm not through an app or some type of agency, then if I'm doing my own proposal, my own contract, then I have the 50% up front and then the 50% when I deliver my content. And when I deliver my content, make sure your content is watermarked because brands will ghost you and some won't pay you the rest of the money they owe you. That's why I don't do the full payment at the end because at least I'm going to get some of my money up front. But my personal billing method is 50% up front, 50% when the content is delivered. After you pay me, I'll send you the version that doesn't have a watermark on it. So make sure that you watermark your content. Now, there are several systems that you can use to kind of keep track of contracts, invoices, proposals. I am a fan of HoneyBook. I used to use Dubsado all the time, but the only thing I don't like about Dubsado is that they still haven't got an app after all these years. So now I have switched over to HoneyBook because they have an app. With HoneyBook and Dubsado, you can track everything in one place. Proposals, contracts, you can do scheduling, invoices, email communications, so much stuff happens inside of HoneyBook and Dubsado. And then for contracts, if you don't want to do a one-stop shop such as HoneyBook and Dubsado, you can go to We Are Indie, Rocket Lawyer. There are so many different places that you can find social media influencer contracts that you can download and adapt and adjust them to meet your needs. And then for invoicing and payments, you can use PayPal, QuickBooks, Wave, Stripe, or Square. Those are just various systems that are out there. QuickBooks is good at tax time. If you use QuickBooks, you do have to pay for it, but it will give you everything in one place. So it makes tax time a lot easier. Now, let's talk about getting clients. We're getting to the part that everybody loves to talk about, which is the getting paid. But let's talk about how to get clients. Where can you find clients and where can people find you? Social media is a great place. TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Those are the great places. Twitter especially has a huge UGC community. You will find a lot of UGC creators on TikTok. And then also you will see a lot of brands that put out things like, hey, I'm looking for a UGC content creator for this, this, and that. DM me, send a message. However, this is what I need. Twi Twitter is huge for UGC. But beware, as with anything, there are scams anywhere. But then you can also, IG and TikTok, you can look at brands that have people creating content for them and reach out to them that way. And LinkedIn is a good place because you tend to be able to find not only UGC and content creation opportunities, but then you can also find the people that head up the marketing teams. Then there are also UGC and influencer apps. The one disclaimer about apps is that a lot of these apps are follower base because they're influencer apps even though they do have UGC on them a lot of the apps do look at followers so that can be kind of discouraging if you don't have a large following you may not qualify for the app or you may not get many opportunities pushed your way even though UGC is not about followers because these are mixed apps a lot of these apps tend to have requirements on them but some of my favorite apps to use are incense then I use platforms like activate aspire Maverly, I could go on and on just name of these platforms, but those are all good places to kind of find these opportunities. Another one, which is a good place to start is Billow. 
except billow is very low paying but if you're someone that's just want just wanting to start out and say hey i just want to get my feet wet get used to working with brands then that might be somewhere that you want to start at least do one or two gigs that way to get some experience under your belt then there are these creator community email lists the two that i recommend are the creator wizards and brand meets creators the creator wizards is justin moore brand meets creators is Mike Rama. They both have email lists and they both send you emails each week with different creator opportunities that you can apply for. Then there are also those inbound opportunities that you get to where the brand will find you. They will pitch you directly and say, hey, we want to work with you. And then the outbound opportunities are where you're going out and actively pitching the brands. So now we're going to talk about incoming and outgoing pitches. So the inbound opportunities, make sure you have an email in your bio. An email in your bio is a must. You want to make it easy for brands to contact you. Put your email in your bio. You want to eliminate all the barriers possible. A brand goes to your social media. They see you. Hey, I want to work with you. Yes, do that. Then Twitter. That is another great place to find inbound opportunities. Go on Twitter, create a profile, update your profile, make sure you have content creator, UGC content creator in your headline with your portfolio linked as the website, email in your bio, make it easy for brands to find you because Twitter, you will get a DM in a second from a brand that is looking for UGC creators. And then another way is the organic content that you post, tag the brands in that. But I will say tag the brands in the comments and not the caption. Because a lot of times when you tag them in the caption, it shows up in their tagged videos, which kind of gives them permission to go ahead and just repost your video. They don't necessarily have to ask you because you tag them in it. If you create a video, you tag the brand in the caption, then they will see it and that could open the door to the conversation for a paid opportunity. Now for outbound opportunities, you want to get into these brands DMs and send them emails. You don't have to choose one or the other. It can be both. There's just as much power in starting a conversation in the DM as it is by email. When you're DMing these brands, you really want to keep it simple, just like a kind of introduction to yourself. Hey, my name's Luan. I'm a content creator. I love your brand. I'd love to create content for you. Can you give me the email of your marketing or PR person? Because the person that's running the social media is often not the one that is making the decisions on marketing and what products get promoted and campaigns that are happening. You really want to get in touch with that PR person. So in the DM, keep it short and you most likely will get a response. And when you keep it short and kind of address it from the angle of reaching out and getting an email, most likely you'll get a response because it'll be so different than the DMs that the brands get all the time. And then for email, you want to try to find the email of the marketing person, social media person, the person that makes the decisions on the campaign. LinkedIn is a great place to do this. Sometimes you can go in and search a brand. You can find the brand and then be able to find the email or contact information of that person that's in the marketing department. You can also do the same thing on their website. A lot of times there will be a PR or marketing email on these brands' website. And when all else fails, don't hesitate to send an email to the one that is listed on their social media profile. But for outbound, remember, both ways are a great way to reach out to brands because sometimes it takes many touch points and brands are not that great at responding. So you're going to have to follow up and really get out there and put yourself out there to get these brands to notice you so that you can start to create content for them. 
Now, let's talk about the part that everyone cares about most, which is getting paid. The question that everyone always has, how do I get paid? How do I set rates? What am I supposed to charge these brands? That is the question that everyone is asking. What do I charge? Well, I'm sad to tell you that I can't tell you what to charge. I don't know what your goals are, what kind of money you want to make, how many hours you want to work. That is something that you have to determine. When it comes down to setting these rates, it is all up to you. You make the decisions. You have to figure out what your goals are, how many hours you want to work, how much money you want to make. Say if you want, are working full-time and you want to quit your full-time job and you want to replace your salary, then here's a way to do it. Think about how much you make a year, how much you bring in a month, then how much you would have to make a week. And that can help you start to determine what you want to charge for these gigs. And going beyond that, think about how many hours you want to work, how many gigs you want to work at the same time. If you don't want to work a lot of hours, then you might want to have higher prices. If you don't want to take on a lot of gigs, then you might want to have higher prices. Pricing is personal. It is yours. You got into this business to be the boss. You're an entrepreneur. You didn't get into this business for somebody to tell you what you're going to get paid. You went into business for yourself so that you could determine all of that. So you really need to sit down and determine your goals, how much money you want to make, and go from there. However, I will give you some solid starting points because I know everyone hates that vague answer of you have to pick the prices, but that is the regality. But let me give you some places to start and some things to consider. So you want to consider, are you going to have set prices or are you going to price based on the brand? I myself, I like to price based on the brand because I work with small businesses and large businesses. So naturally, a small business is not going to have as much money to pay for their PR and marketing as a larger business is. So you can decide whether you want to do customized pricing or if you just want to have set prices. Also, knowing the deliverables and the scope of work. Do not start quoting prices. Do not start having rates out there if you don't know the deliverables and the scope of work. That is why I say I like to do it on a case-by-case, gig-by-gig basis because the deliverables and the scope of work are going to change. So you can find that you have one set price and then you're doing a whole lot more work for one brand than you're doing for another one. So really start to consider how much work you're going to have to do for this project when you're setting your prices. Also think about organic or paid usage. Yes, there's the whole usage rights thing. We'll get to that in a minute. But when it comes to organic or paid, organic is when the brand is just taking the video, posting on their social platform. Here's the video that you've done. Paid is when they decide to run ads on that content that they post. You can decide whether you want to charge a different price for both. You can just have one price. It is really up to you. Some people break it down where they have an organic price and then they have a paid advertising price. If you don't want to get into the weeds of that, you can just have one price. Now, when it gets into exclusivity, exclusivity is a term that is thrown around and exclusivity means that say you're working with a skincare brand and you create a video for them and they post this content and they don't want you to work with another skincare brand for another two months. That's considered exclusivity. So you need to charge for that because with them wanting the exclusive rights to you basically for two months and you're advertising around this skincare brand, that's taken away opportunity that you could have. So make sure you charge accordingly if a brand is asking you for exclusivity. And let's get into the usage rights thing. Usage rights is how long brands can use your content. Never, and I say never, 
do perpetuity. Perpetuity means forever. That means a brand can use your content forever. And as they always say, yesterday's price is not today's price. You don't want a brand being able to use your content forever. And you pop, look up in 10 years and this video that you made back in 2022 is still out there circulating around. You may not want that. So think about that. Never do anything in perpetuity. Or if you do, think about it's forever and forever is a long time. So make sure that you are charging a forever price. I personally use usually do usage rights for six months. So from six months from the date that you get the content, you are able to use this content in your digital marketing efforts. And make sure you make sure you say digital because you don't want your thing popping up on TV, billboards, whatever it may be. Stick to digital rights. And that is what I always do. We're in the digital age. I'm creating this content for digital purposes. So you have digital usage rights for six months. Some people do a year, some people do month to month, some do three months. I typically do six months and that tends to be a good standard for that. And then another thing to consider is raw footage. Raw footage is thrown around a lot. Brands are like, they want raw footage and they want the other video. So let's talk about raw footage real quick. When it comes to raw footage, do not send every clip that you have in your phone or on your camera, on your device that you recorded. That is not raw footage. Well, it is raw footage, but that's not the raw footage you're gonna give to the brand. Raw footage is gonna be that final video that you've done, but before you make the edits to it, whether that's adding text on screen, music, transitions, anything like that, the raw footage is the final piece before it makes it to the final edits, if that makes sense. So whatever video you plan on presenting to the brand as this is the final video, before you put the text on screen, before you do the transitions, before you add music or any other fancy things you may add to it, that video pieced together, edited, is the raw footage. And that is what you will send to the brand. And if a brand is asking you for raw footage, make sure you charge accordingly because they can take that raw footage, the reason they want it, they can take that raw footage and chop it up and put it in many different places and use it for many different reasons. So charge accordingly. Now, some people don't really care what happens with their content after the brand gets it. If that is you, you may not think twice about the price that you charge. You may just be like, this is the price I'm charging. I don't care what they do with the footage after that. And that is fine. There is something for everyone. But if you're one that is wants to charge accordingly for each piece of the pie, then you can do that as well. It is up to you. As I said, you are the one that know how you want to work, what you want to work, and how much money you want to make. Those are just some things for you to consider because there is no right or wrong way to price your content. But I still know everyone, all that we talked about, it's like, hey, you still haven't given me a number. I still don't know where to start with pricing. So let's throw some numbers out there just to give you kind of a guidance path and a way to kind of start. Now you will find that in the UDC industry, most people are charging like beginner rate 125 all the way up to 350 as a base rate for a video. Now, some people will stick with that just 125 to 350. That is the price. And they don't care if it's, they have uses, right? Exclusivity, organic or paid, any of that. They'll just stick with that price and that is their set price. I personally do not operate in that manner, but I do have a base rate. So here's my favorite way of pricing content. So $200 is my base rate for one 
video. So that is a 15, 30 second, less than a minute video, I'll say. $200 for a video that is less than a minute to go on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook for social media. That's my base rate. And then from there, we talk about any packages. So I will do special pricing for three videos, five videos. We can even do 10 videos. I can have special prices for that. That is how I do it. So I have a base rate, then I'll do prices, one, three, five, 10 videos. Those are packages you can choose from. Of course, the more videos you get, the cheaper the price gets there. So that's where I start with the base rate. Then from there, if we're talking usage rights, I typically do about 20% usage rights. So per month. So on top of that full price, I'm going to add 20% per month for usage rights. And I typically do six months. So we have the base rate, then the 20% per month for usage rights. Then if we get into exclusivity, I typically do a bit higher for that. So maybe 25, 30% per month that they want exclusivity. And that is how I build my packages. And the thing is, I present to the brand the full price. Some people like to put their price down and say, okay, it's $200 for a video. But then when a brand starts asking for usage rights, exclusivity, et cetera, et cetera, they start tacking all the additional fees and the brand's like, hold up, wait a minute, what happened to the original $200? So to avoid that conversation, what I like to do is I will take, know the deliver. that's why I say know your deliverables and your scope of work. I will look at that. I will put together the pricing and say, this is your cost for this video. And then if the brand asks questions, well, why, what goes into this cost? I can say it's $200 for this. It's 20% for that, 30% for that. And I can break it down that way. And then if the brand is like, okay, I don't want to pay that much. Okay, well, maybe we can take off some of the usage rights, maybe knock it down to three months of usage rights, knock down to one month of exclusivity, that way it's negotiable. So you're putting out there a price and then you're working within it, but you're still getting adequate pay for the rate that you have. You're gonna get some brands that are gonna have no problem paying you the stuff that you quote right up front. And then some are gonna question, but leave that room for negotiation, which is why I like to put the final price out there, know the scope of work, know the deliverables, so I can quote you, this is your package price. This is your video price. And if they have questions, then this is what goes into it. So once you know your pricing, that is what matters. Again, nobody can tell you what to price or how to get paid. You have to know your rate, but that was just to give you kind of like a starting point. And when it comes to brands that are reaching out to you, ask them for their budget. Brands will send you emails saying they want to work with you. They really like you. They want to do this video with you. They want to partner with you and they want to know what your rate is. If this brand is asking for your rate and they want to work with you, most likely they have an idea of what they want to pay. So there's nothing wrong with responding to that email and saying, hi, I'm interested in collaborating with you. This sounds like a great opportunity. I would love to know the compensation that you had in mind for this project. That's a way of asking the budget because I know a lot of people are like, I hate asking for the budget, but that's a way to ask for the budget without asking for the budget. If you put it back, what is the compensation that you have in mind? That gives them to throw a number out first because sometimes the number may be way higher than what you were thinking of or sometimes it's way lower and you're like, oh no, I can't do that. And also that'll weed out kind of those brands that don't want to pay. And if you don't really want to work with them for free, then it's a way to weed that out ahead of time. 
you can always work within a budget. You can decide based on the brand how you want to do. But I really suggest if someone is reaching out to you from a brand, then ask for their budget first. And then when you're pitching a brand, list your deliverables, list the work that you intend to do for them. And you can even quote the price in there for how much you charge, or you could leave that conversation for a follow-up when they decide that they want to work with you. So you can say, hi, my name is Lawan. I really, I'm a content creator. I love your brand. I will, I see that you um, do a lot of kind of organic content on your platform. I would love to help you in your marketing efforts for whatever the product is. What I have in mind for this collaboration is one TikTok video, six months of usage rights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, okay, how does that sound to you? Would you like to hop on a call? A lot of times getting a brand on a call will help kind of talk it through and kind of solidify the deal, or you can keep it in the email. But when you're pitching the brand, really know the work that you want to do, know the concepts that you have in mind. That helps too, because sometimes brands are like, I have no idea what type of video you can create. You're like, oh, I can create an unboxing video, a demo. I can do a trend video for you. Throw it out there. Be as specific as possible to make the decision making easy on the brand side. Now let's talk about gifted collabs, the good old gifted collabs. I always say I don't do free. However, it's not that I never do free, but free should not be the expectation. It should be an exception. But a lot of brands are wanting creators to work for free because so many creators do it. So many of us creators, we get an email from a brand. Hey, I would like to send you this product for you to create a TikTok video. You're like, oh, the brand is reaching out to me. Yes, I want to do this. So I'm going to take the product and make a video. No, that is your time. That is your effort. I mean, if it's a product that you really love, something that you want, something high end, something you've been wanting to try, then okay, that's up to you. I've done a lot of free things for stuff that I've wanted to try, experiences that I've wanted to have. There's nothing wrong with doing free. But as I said, free should not be the expectation. It should be the exception. So when brands are pitching you for gifted collabs, it's nothing wrong with saying to them, if it's something that you're not particularly interested in, you can just say, Thank you for reaching out. I'm at capacity for in-kind or gifted collaborations right now. However, if you would like to discuss a paid collaboration in the future, I can send you my portfolio, media kit, however you want to guide the conversation. Sometimes a brand will come back and say, hey, yes, yeah, send me your portfolio. We would love to look at it. So always leave room for negotiation. It's not that you have to say no to gifted collaborations. However, a lot of brands are expecting free content. And they are failing to take into the effect that when creators create content for them, we're the production team, we're the editors, we're the stagehands, we're the set, we're the lighting, we're the props. We take so many expenses away from them because if they were to make this video on their own, they would have to get a set, they would have to pay actors, they would have to pay uh, videographers, they would have to pay for lighting and stagehand and makeup artists. We take away so many of those expenses. So why shouldn't we get paid for that? So again, we have to start as creators kind of standing up and saying, no, we're not doing free all the time because as long as we do free, brands are going to kick back to us. Well, I just work with this creator who did it for free. All creators are not created equal. Some people will do that. But if this is the career that you want to have, the business that you want to have, 
you're going to have to start that conversation about compensation. And a lot of times what you'll find is that because brands are used to working with people for free, they don't mean any harm by it. It's just what they're used to. But when you kick it back to them, like, hey, I don't have the capacity for this, but if you want to discuss a paid collaboration, let's do that. They can come back to you and you can turn a gifted collaboration into a paid gig. And then likewise, when it comes to kind of like your content, we were talking about earlier about tagging the brands and the brand wanting to use your video. A lot of times they'll say, hey, can I repost this video for you? You can start a conversation like, yes, you can repost the video. However, my repost fee is dot, 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 dot. Or if it's a brand you want to film, form a relationship with, you can give them permission to post the video without getting paid. Again, it is up to you. I will say that I have had videos where I will post it and a brand will reach out and say, hey, I love, we love this video. Can we repost it? I've said yes. And then they will post it on their platform. It does well. And then a month or so later, the brand reaches out and says, hey, we really love your content. Our audience is loving your content. We want to run ads on your content. We would like to discuss compensating you to do that. And then you start to get paid that way. So again, there is no kind of right or wrong way to do this. You have to decide how you want to work, the method that you want to run your business. All of this is like a guide. But again, only you can determine if you want to do a gift to collab, if you want to let a brand post a video for free, how much you want to get paid. The choice is yours because it's your business and you know what your goals are what your income goals are, what your career goals are, what your business goals are. So you have to keep all of that at the forefront. And then another word about gifted collabs is that remember that gifted collabs over $100, you have to claim on your taxes. So if this product, service, whatever is over $100 and I'm doing it for free, I'm still gonna have to pay tax on that product. So if I'm gonna have to pay tax on something. Yes, I need to get paid some money so that I'm paying tax on something I got paid and not just on a product that was gifted to me. So when you're thinking about gifted collabs, all the type of collaborations, just keep that in mind. You can decide on a case-by-case -case basis what is best for you. Again, the choice is all yours. So now we have talked about getting started, getting organized, getting clients, and getting paid on this journey to become a paid creator in 30 days or less. The one thing to take away from this is that you have to put yourself out there. If you don't remember anything else I said, you have to put yourself out there for brands to see. So pitch, pitch, pitch these brands and then make sure you follow up because brands are not the best communicators. And also put your content out there, post your content. Even if you aren't getting gigs yet and you're creating product videos or thing, wash routines, any of your favorite products, post those videos on your platforms, tag the brands, but keep posting because people will see it. People are watching and they will reach out to you. But I mean, the fastest way to kind of grow is to pitch. It takes time. It takes energy. But if you're on this journey, you want to make it a full-time thing, then you're going to have to put yourself out there and let people know that you are the next best thing. Now, I myself right now, because the way my life is set up, I do more inbound opportunities and I work more on the influencer and UGC apps, which of course are lower paying, but that's what's working in my life right now. I don't do a lot of pitching, but guarantee if I had different goals and 
where my goals are going to be in the near future or not really all right now, it would require me to pitch more. But for now, I'm doing what works in my life and you have to do what works for your life. So I hope you enjoyed this presentation. If you want to do more with UGC, I do have this Choose What You Pay UGC Starter Checklist listed on my website. You go there. If you want it for free, then you put in $0 and you get it for free. If you want to help a creator out and throw a little change my way, then go ahead and put an amount in there and send it my way. But again, you can have it completely free as my gift to you. You want to connect with me, that is where you can find me, my email, my website. As always, listen to me on the More Than a Mother podcast. If you need some content coaching, help with batching, scheduling, some structure, some organization, any type of consultation, just to dive into more of your personal needs as a content creator, hit me in my DM or email because I do offer consulting and coaching services. And as always, connect with me on social media because that is where I'm hanging out. Have a good day.